0: So I went up to the guy and I said, hey, man, my daughter wants me to play this game so I could win this animal for her. And he goes, all right, man, let's do it. I said, here's the deal. I'm not prepared to look like a loser in front of my kid. I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay you for that stuffed animal. And I'm going to play the game. And you're going to say I won. And I'm going to get that stuffed animal. He said, what? I said, bro, I didn't bring my daughter. I didn't bring my daughter on my weekend to the fair to look like a loser. Yo, what's going on? It's your boy Jeremiah with the Kind of Kidding Podcast and we're back again. We're back again to do this again. I say that all the time. But what else, how else do you open a show? I need to come up with a better um I need to come up with a better intro. Instead of saying, "Yo, what's up? It's Jeremiah. This is the Kind of Kidding Podcast and we're back again." I need to uh, How do I make that more interesting? I mean, the truth of the the truth of the matter is we're we're back again. And I'm not, I'm not a liar. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to listen to a few more podcasts and, uh, and steal, steal some, steal some ideas for an intro. (laughs) But then, but then again, maybe, maybe that's my thing. Maybe that's the kind of kidding podcast thing. Maybe what we do is remind people every week that we're back again. I mean, why not? Right? Well, why shouldn't you be reminded that you once again made a conscious decision to tune into the kind of kidding podcast you decided today that you were going to extend our friendship. Our relationship goes on for another seven days. I think that's pretty special. So until I find a better way to be interesting, we're just going to have to deal with this intro deal. Okay. (laughs) I hope everybody's doing well. I have, uh, I have recovered Kind of I've kind of recovered from- from my From my week Um, if you guys remember last week I was telling you that I uh I decided I decided I was gonna become a carpenter You know, I- I woke up one day and I said I said, Self Let's build a deck And then I said, Self Let's build a deck in six days, you know, (laughs) it's, uh, it's not hard. You know, somebody who's somebody who's never built anything other than a table to hold a five pound microwave. This is, this is pretty standard day one stuff. You know, we don't need school, college. We don't need a a trade school to, to teach someone carpentry. Who does that? Who goes to school to build things? The early settlers of this country, this, this great nation, this place we call home as Americans, or even in Europe, the, the, the early Europeans, they didn't have a school to teach them how to build houses. They pulled over, they pulled their wagons off to the side of the road, their chariots or whatever the hell they were. They're riding horses. They rode a horse till it didn't move anymore. And they said, you know what? This is where we're going to start our colony. Our civilization is going to start here. And they went over there and they cut down some trees and they built themselves a home. If if they can do that, I could build a deck. So I did. I'm not joking. I did. I really did. Um, a friend of mine who, to his credit, actually knows how to build a deck. He uh, he helped me build mine. You know, I, I cleared the four planter boxes. I told you guys that that was honestly, let's be real. Removing five by eight planner boxes is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. In my entire life. You, uh, play back my life from day one until yesterday. And this would rate as the hardest thing I've ever done and not hard because it was mentally taxing. There's other things that are mentally taxing, taxing, uh, learning to learning to multiply and divide for the first time in elementary school was mentally taxing. I thought my life was over until I got a calculator. I thought I was just going to, I thought I thought life was over. I thought I was a failure. No one's ever going to love me. I was never going to have a family, and and that's where it ended. You know, I, I four times four. Why does it equal sixteen? I don't fucking know. You know, I, the first time my teacher said, "What's eight times eight? and I sat there for thirty minutes trying to figure it out. I said, "Why don't I? Why am I here? Let me just go home. Let me let me pick up a broom and learn how to sweep, because that's obviously all I'm cut out to do." So the mental stuff I eventually got over when I tell you that removing four planter boxes from my yard, four, five by eight planter boxes, um, was the hardest thing that I've ever done. I mean that in the physical sense, I mean that in the, God did not make my body strong enough to perform the task (laughs) Of digging up four five by eight planter boxes. And I don't blame me. I looked in the mirror and I said, why the hell can't you do this, Jeremiah? And and my reflection looked back at me and said, your creator did this to you. You didn't stand a chance. Do the best you can. And I said, you know what, bro, you're right. And I high-fived myself in the mirror and I grabbed that shovel and I went out there and I kept moving earth because that's what a champion does. Okay. And I'm a champion. And champions don't quit champions pick themselves off the ground and they get backed out there and they perform and Jeremiah, Jeremiah doesn't quit. Jeremiah hasn't quit anything, but, uh, but a one-on-one basketball game when I was 10 years old with my dad. And that's because my dad doesn't let anybody win. He doesn't care how old you are. You, you were taught in my household that if you win, It's because you deserved it. My dad let me win one time. One time he let me win. And after I won that game, I slammed the basketball on the ground. I cheered. I ripped my shirt off like Hulk Hogan. And just, you know, I was just, I was a sore winner. I got in my dad's face. I'm a young guy. I literally think I'm probably 10 years old. And, I laughed at him, ha, ha ha. you suck. You're a loser. I'm a winner. You can't beat me. I legitimately thought I won. and uh my dad told me years later that after that day he told he 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 told himself he would never let me win anything in my life again. <laughs> he said the lesson he was going to teach me was if you want if if you want to win, you got to earn it. And because I was such an asshole when I finally did win something, even though I didn't earn it, he made sure that I never was able to feel, I was never able to feel that success again until I deserved it. Why why am I telling you that? Oh, I'm telling you that because I deserved this win. I went outside, I removed those planter boxes and I thought I was done. When I got rid of all four of those planter boxes I looked at that clean earth. I looked at that I looked at that that space, that voided that 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 space I didn't have before that I now have. I looked at it and I said, "Finally, I'm done." And my buddy Richard showed up and he said, "All right. Let's get started." I said, "What the hell do you mean?" He said, "We got to get started." I said, "I cleared the space. Let's build the deck." He says, "Oh no." We have to dig. We have to dig down. We have to trench. So what are you talking about? He said, we got a trench. We got to dig some trenches and put our blocks in. It has to be a little low. It has to, you know, you got to, you can't just set a deck on top of the land. You have to level it. You got to go down a few inches, fill it up with some road mix, put some, put some concrete blocks down there that your wood, that your wood and your braces and your frame sits on. And, and he kept talking and talking and talking and talking. And all I heard was, let's get started. (laughs) (laughs) he must've explained to me 10 times how this deck was going to be built. And the only thing I heard in that moment was let's get started. I said, motherfucker, do you know that I've been digging for three days? Let's get started. So we got started and I'm not going to bore you with the details again, but we got that damn thing built. We started on, I started digging on Friday I recorded an episode dead tired. I woke up on Saturday. I kept digging. Woke up on Sunday. Kept digging. Monday, we started building, you know, the foundation of this deck. Tuesday, we kept building the deck. Wednesday, we started laying boards. Thursday, we finished boards. Friday, we were done. And it felt so good. It felt so good. Six days. Six days to go from ugly planter boxes to a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful deck. And now that's all that's left is to water seal it and, and go get my gazebo, (laughs) which by the way, has to be constructed on top of this deck. So there is more work ahead of me. So to all my friends who are listening to this, if you would love to come over and spend the day building a gazebo with me, go ahead and message me. I will pay you in high fives and handshakes because I can't afford to pay you in in, in real dollars because <laughs> Lowe's has out. Lowe's has all of mine okay let's just uh let's leave it at that I told you last week that my goal was to enjoy my life and regardless of how much I spend doing it I am enjoying it and I want you guys to know that work all your life that's fine but please enjoy it anyway what day is it? It is July 1st. When you listen to this, it will be July 3rd. And assuming most of you are out there enjoying your 4th of July festivities, you probably won't listen to this for a couple of days after that. So I'll just wish you a, a happy 4th of July to all my American listeners, to all my U S of a fans and followers, uh, happy, happy independence day. You know, um, uh, Britain ain't getting us back. She can't have us. We are I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T. Do you know what that means? Okay, we're independent women now. Beyonce, tell them how it is. Okay? Boosie, badass, wipe me down. We're not coming back, England. Speaking of England, you know the funniest thing I've ever done in life. Um, when it comes to independence day is there's this, uh, there's this pub. When I lived in Italy, there's this pub. It's an English pub. Uh, probably, probably 40 minutes away from Florence. I think it was a long time ago, but I think we were on our way to Venice or coming back from Venice. Um, and we stopped my friends and I stopped at this pub now we're young. Okay. So let's, let's just get this out of the way. I uh, was probably 16, 17 years old, 16, 17. And in, in Italy and Europe, you just kind of get on a bus or a train and you just go, I mean, you, you get on a bus, you ride down to a train station, you pay for your tokens, you get on a train, and you go 40 minutes on a light rail somewhere and and you do a you just hang out you know you didn't have a driver's license and i mean to be honest with you it's it was a different time we were american we kind of did whatever we wanted um uh, it sucks to admit that but the arrogance and the the egos were were riding really high in 19 the late 1990s so pretty much we we get on this 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 train we cruise down where did we go i think we went to anyway it's not important but we go into this irish pu- or english pub and we flash some cash and we're old enough to reach across the bar so we can you know we could drink something so you know nobody in europe's turning away american dollars at that time american dollar was was pretty valuable. It was worth something. So we, uh, we walk in and the guy goes, Hey mate, you can't be here. We said, Oh, we're sorry. And my buddy pulls out some money and the guy goes, "Ah, you can hang out a little bit. (laughs) You can hang out for a little bit. So we're sitting there and the guy, you know, we're having a good time throwing some darts and just, you know, playing pool. And these English guys come over and they start talking to us and they're like, so, uh, what what brings you out here? What what are you doing? Where, you know, what are you celebrating Is a birthday? You know, one of you getting married and just, they're just trying to, you know, have some light hearted conversation. And you know, we said, no, we're, uh, we're celebrating independence day. Happy 4th of July. And their old guys looked at us and they said, what? we said, happy 4th of July. And uh, yeah, you know, we got kicked out the bar that night. So <laughs> the the English, the English, I know it's been a lot of years since since uh you know, since we defeated the Red Coats. But uh, you know, some of those guys, it still hits home to them. But to this day, that will be one of my my funnest memories is celebrating the fourth of July in an English bar. And getting kicked out. And laughing about it for 20-something years. It's uh—it's pretty great. <laughs> so I don't know what you guys have planned for this 4th of July, but I hope it's fun. I hope it's safe. And I hope it's memorable. Um, it would be pretty cool for you guys to share some stories with some people in about 20 years about, about how you rang in one of your favorite 4th of Julys. Uh, I actually am doing... 4th of July this year, the same way I did it last year, which last year was different than I did it all of the years before. Uh, Usually, usually 4th of July consists of cookouts and barbecues, hamburgers, hot dogs, cheeseburgers. You know, it really sucks that those are American, quote unquote, American foods. How boring is that? You know, is there, is there nothing more American than... Hot dogs and hamburgers? How did hot dogs and hamburgers become the staple of American barbecue cookout? Chicken wing, chicken. God, we're some boring ass people. Come on, people. We need to pick this up. We need to change our culture in in a way where we will no longer be defined by our Independence Day menu. (laughs) (laughs) when I lived in Europe, I know I have a lot of stories about cool. When I lived in Europe. Yeah, Jeremiah, we get it. You're a world traveler. You're cultured. You're cooler than us. But all of my stories are about when I lived in Europe, because when I came to the United States, I was not cool anymore. (laughs) I didn't do anything. I moved to mountain home, Idaho. There's nothing in mountain home, Idaho. There's, there's no way to I don't know, man. There was, you had cool friends, but you didn't do cool shit. And then I moved to Boise and again, it's, you know, I lived in paradise for, for years. I lived in, I lived in Italy, Roman Colosseum, the leaning tower of Pisa, Venice, the city on water. That's where I lived. And then I came here and. I saw a tumbleweed fly, you know, across the highway for the first time in my life. You know, when I first moved to Idaho, I didn't know tumbleweeds were actually real things. I'm not even joking. I shit you not. I thought tumbleweeds, tumbleweeds were, were things that, the you know, they, they were in cowboy movies. I only saw tumbleweeds in John Wayne movies. My dad was a John Wayne fanatic. I saw tumbleweeds in damn near every single one of his movies. I thought it was a prop for cowboy movies. I didn't even know they were real. We got off the plane and we started driving down the highway uh, to Mountain Home. And uh, I saw a tumbleweed cruise across. I mean, this thing was huge. It was like the size of a car almost. But it went cruising across the front of the van that we were in. And I I couldn't believe it. I I think that was probably the, the strangest thing I've seen. And in, in, it was like 20 minutes after I had touched down in the United States. And I saw a real life tumbleweed. And then when I finally got to Mount home, I saw my first cowboy. And I'm not talking about some dude with some, some boots and a hat riding on, on a horse. I saw a legitimate cowboy, a Mexican cowboy on a horse with some chaps, straw in his tooth. I, I'm, I'm not even shitting you. I think he had spurs and he was moving cattle. Not one cow, not three cows, not four cows and a few goats. This guy was on a cattle drive. You know, Toby Keith made a song about this dude, okay, And what was that song? It was uh, how did it go? Uh, should have been a cowboy. y'all know that song Toby Keith that uh, should have been a cowboy. I should have learned to rope and ride. Wearing my six shooter, riding my pony on a cattle drive. You remember that shit? That shit was, that, that's a great song. Stealing the young girls' hearts, just like Gene and Roy. Singing those campfire songs. Whoa, I should have been a cowboy. Come on now. All together now. I should have been a cowboy. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. I want to keep listeners and if I keep singing country songs by Toby Keith in uh <clears throat> in my uh fabulous fabulous uh singing voice, I, I won't have very many many listeners. I will have no listens for episode 23 after this episode. So, I'll spare you I'll spare you the acapella uh I'll spare you the acapella country music and we'll move on to some other things, huh? Let's talk about let's talk about something that I talked about last week. I talked about how Americans seemingly like to pick apart the English language and and recreate it for ourselves, right? we We changed the pronunciation of words like zebra. I mean, zebra was completely normal and fine, and we we decided that zebra was the way to grow. And uh, you know, we created rules to explain how things are spelled. There wasn't any problem with the spelling of things before, but we decided that since we're going to mispronounce the original word, we were going to create a our, our new pronunciation and spell it differently. You know, it was a whole bit. It was a whole frustrated mess spewing from my mind onto this podcast. And and then I stumbled on some English sayings that, that don't actually make sense. You know, sayings that we as an independent nation chose not to change or alter, which is hilarious because... These are the things, these are the phrases that we should have considered changing. Not not pronouncing zebra wrong. you know we we should have we should have taken these uh, ridiculous phrases and either made them make sense or or just dropped them from our you know vocabulary and our, our our daily usage altogether. and And now we've we've used them so much that the rest of the world thinks that we created them. And, and now we're the lunatics. We're the ones that are using phrases that make no sense whatsoever. We lost the opportunity to bring the British, blame the British. You know, we, 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 we can't blame the, the folks of London any longer because we have used these phrases so much that now they have become a regular staple of our day to day and, and, we can't convince the rest of the world that it's not of our doing so for let me here i have some pulled up let me let me share these examples with you in my opinion these are these are some phrases that should never be used again because they they actually make no sense phrases like you know to pull someone's leg to pull your leg, to pull someone's leg. That's stupid. If you're tricking someone, if you're joking with someone, what does pulling their leg have to do? (laughs) What does pulling someone's leg have to do with playing a trick on them? You know, if you're trying to trick someone, they say, Hey, don't pull my leg. I, to this day at 39 years old on January 1st, cannot understand what that means oh this is a this is the dumbest one by the skin of your teeth that's just weird like we barely survived by the skin of our teeth you have no skin on your teeth I don't understand the correlation between barely surviving or barely completing something or almost getting something how is that correlate to by the skin of your teeth it's nothing to sneeze at. What the hell does that mean? Well, that's nothing to sneeze at. Like, it's serious? It's it's amazing? Somebody explain to me what that means. This It's nothing to sneeze at. That is so fucking dumb. Why do we say that? Why do we say that? Oh, yeah, he hit a home run 480 feet, but that's nothing to sneeze at. I whatever. It's raining cats and dogs. That's that has been a dumb one since I was seven years old. It's raining cats and dogs means it's raining a lot. Like what is it? Why, why cats and dogs never in the history of the world has a, has, has animals fallen from the sky unless it's immediately after some tragic tornado or hurricane. And at that point, I don't think we should be creating language to describe the terrible time <laughs> In our in our uh, in our history, where literal cats and dogs were falling from the sky, kicking the bucket. When someone dies, we say they kick the bucket. Why? Why America? America, explain to me why? Why are? Why is kicking the bucket? Well, how does that correlate to someone dying? Maybe it's because it's got a bucket list. You know, if you have a bucket list, that's something you want to do before you die. You know you put a bunch of ideas in a bucket, and now that you died, you're kicking the bucket. I guess I don't know. still doesn't make sense, but I, I can I can buy that one. I can if that's the meaning, I can believe it. I've never liked this one. Can't have your cake and eat it too. If I have my cake, I'm literally gonna eat that's I probably sound like an idiot. If you guys know why these are being used and I'm just short-sighted and dense, please tell me. Call me, text me, message me. Because that one's always upset me. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, sure as fuck can. I have my fucking cake. I'm going to eat it. Cutting the mustard. Supposedly cutting the mustard stands for something um, that you did really well. I, I don't understand how English folks back in the day considered cutting the mustard a sign of accomplishment get your ducks in a row okay uh orderly fashion you want things orderly get your ducks in a row I still don't understand why we chose ducks maybe you cruised up on some farm and you saw a bunch of ducks standing in a row and it was very very appealing so now that's where that saying comes from I'm not sure but that's silly to me to say That you have to get your ducks in a row. Uh, Feeling under the weather. I use that one quite often. And I don't actually understand why. Why do we say we're feeling under the weather when you're sick? Feeling under the weather. Oh, I'm feeling a little under the weather. I think I'll stay home. the fuck does that mean? How does that mean sick? Ah, it's just, is, it, is it just me? I mean, I'm sure you can go online and and probably pull up a list of a thousand things that don't make sense, but these are the ones in my mind that i that I use. I mean, I'm not saying I don't use these, okay? Trust me. Every single one of these I have used, and every time I've used it, I've stopped and in my head thought, God, I'm indie. why did I use that? I hope nobody I hope nobody thinks I'm stupid for using that. Cause that's just part of regular language nowadays. I blame the English. Okay. Anybody listen to me from England. This is your fucking fault. There's millions and millions and millions of Americans running around saying this shit. And the rest of the world thinks that we're idiots because our rap music sucks now. And we're using these words and our politics these days, is basically a sitcom, you know, it's, it's very frustrating to, to, it's very frustrating to know that we've been set up, you know, we've been set up you, you, you smart, cunning, tricky British folks. You know, you couldn't get over our, 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 our victory and our, our independence. So you created a bunch of phrases knowing that we were going to take them and use them and, and, and make them our own because that's what we do. We steal from other cultures and try to reinvent it. And you knew that we were going to fuck this up and, and you're going to laugh. 1776, we were laughing and here we are all these years later. And now you're laughing at us. So round of applause, kudos to you. I I'll get you back. We're going to get you back. One of these days we'll get you back. I don't know how can't win your independence twice. Cause if we could, we would have done that. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do it, but just, just wait, you know, uh, us Americans, we, uh, we hold a grudge better than anyone. So, <laughs> oh, speaking of this, uh, I actually went online earlier, just shooting the shit. <laughs> That's another one shooting the shit that one i think we created our own that 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 shooting the shit thing i think we i think american cowboys were like let's start our own trends and you know it got weird it got it got weird really quick out on the open range <laughs> but there is there is a website with some sayings that people use that that actually have some some origins that are that are pretty cool it actually these origins actually make sense. So there's a lot of phrases out there that we are using that I found really do make some sense. They're bizarre, but they, if if these origin stories are true, I can get behind these. Uh, one of them is rub me the wrong way. You know, if something's rubbing you the wrong way, we say that all the time, that means it's you're irritating someone. And supposedly, the origin is believed that this refers to stroking an animal's fur the wrong direction, which is ruffling, you know, ruffling one's feathers. Or like if you if you pet a dog the run wrong way, he gets all uncomfortable. So we say you're rubbing me the wrong way when you're uncomfortable and you're being irritated because when you rub a dog the wrong way, he gets irritated. Um. Barking up the wrong tree, I thought was a good one. I've said that to people. Hey, bro, you're barking up the wrong tree. I meant you're just talking to the wrong dude. The actual meaning of this term is to pursue a mistaken line of thought or course of action. Uh, the origin is referring to a dog, like a hunting dog, barking up the wrong tree where, when he's looking for his prey. So hunter goes out there, shoots a bird, it falls, he runs up to the tree or whatever, or they're 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 hunting some sort of land rabbit animal, something like that, and you know, he he trees his prey. Hey, do you tree a rabbit? That's a stupid example. I don't think rabbits climb trees. Fucking idiot, Jeremiah. Um, so anyway, the dog is chasing something and it runs up a tree, and he's barking up that tree thinking that his prey is up there. When in fact his prey is not up there, so he is barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> um, what's this one? Bite the bullet. I thought bite the bullet was an interesting one. The meaning is to decide to do something difficult or unpleasant. Biting the bullet. Uh, some people. Some people say, "Hey, I just, I just had to bite the bullet and do it." It's believed that before anesthetics. Soldiers had to bite down on bullets before enduring surgery. So, biting the bullet means you're about to do something unpleasant or something that you don't want to do, something very hard. Uh, I use bite the bullet quite often and uh, it makes sense. Bury the hatchet, I thought was interesting. When someone says they want to bury the hatchet, I think they're referring to coming to a, a place of peace. Uh, the meaning here on this website means to forget a conflict and be at peace. The origin states that when negotiating peace, the Native Americans would bury all their weapons to make them unaccessible or inaccessible. So when you bury the hatchet, the hatchet being the the tomahawk, the axe, whatever, you're you're showing you're showing your your Opponent, your opposition that you're you're willing to make peace because you're you're not going to have access to that hatchet anymore. Um, so I, anyway, kind of silly, but I figured since I'm I'm going to bash all this stuff that we use daily, I'm gonna I'm gonna tear down our language every episode. I guess that's kind of what this has turned into. I've talked for two or three episodes about how silly our language is. Um <laughs> I figured I should uh I should pay it a little bit of compliment and and not make us all seem like idiots. We're using a lot of lot of phrases out there that actually make sense and they're they're kind of cool. But I do have one thing. I I said this earlier today. I was watching the Braves game and the Atlanta Braves the Atlanta Braves people number 1 team in baseball. Number one, look it up right now. Well, you can't look it up now. Assuming the Atlanta Braves keep doing what they're doing, you should be able to look at the MLB standings on July 4th or July 5th and see that they are either number one, they're number one right now, but they're number one in Major League Baseball. And assuming that the Tampa Bay Rays fizzle out, because let's be honest, the Tampa Bay Rays, I think we're seeing a really good team. I don't think we're seeing a, a team that's going to keep it up and win a world series. I think the Atlanta Braves are probably the best team in baseball. And they've been one of the best damn teams in baseball for the last few years. So I think this is their trend. They're trending upwards. I think the Tampa Bay Rays is just lightning in a bottle, which is another phrase that I'm not sure I understand, but I use it all the time. But somebody was saying the Braves are just winning so many games. They said it's, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. They're scoring so many. Uh, that's what it was. He goes, the Braves hit so many home runs. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. And I thought about it. What does that really mean? Does that mean it's shooting fish in a barrel? Does that mean it's easy? Like, is shooting fish in a barrel easy? I've never shot fish in a barrel. I mean I'm serious and mean, I I know I joke around and I try to be silly and you know I want to make you laugh sometimes and but I I really wonder if shooting fish in a barrel is easy or is it hard Like how many fish do you think you really hit if you shot a gun inside of a barrel of fish You think you you think you hit very many of them <laughs> I don't know I don't know it sounds sounds stupid to say it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Cause I feel like shooting fish in a barrel would be hard. I've been to enough fairs to know that if a, if a, if a guy says, Hey buddy, come here, you'll win this. You'll win this stuffed animal for your, for your daughter or your girlfriend. Believe me, it's hard. And I'm almost positive that one of those, one of those games had to do with some fish in a barrel. I mean, I know you're not shooting them, but there was fish. It was in a fucking barrel and I didn't win anything for the whole weekend. I am, I'm pretty sure that's a, I'm pretty sure that's a memory of mine. I could go out there and ask my kids right now if I've ever played a fair game and won a stuffed animal. And, and they probably tell me no. Oh, actually, no, I did. I didn't win though. This guy, this, this, uh, I went, I took my daughters. I took my daughters to the fair. They were very little, very little, five or six years old. And I took them to the fair and my daughter goes, Hey, I want that. I want you to win me that stuffed animal. And I know that this is a game that you can't win. So I went up to the guy and I said, Hey man, my daughter wants me to play this game so I could win this animal for her. And he goes, all right, man, let's do it. I said, here's the deal. I'm not prepared to look like a loser in front of my kid. And he goes, okay. I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay you for that stuffed animal. And I'm going to play the game. And you're going to say I won. And I'm going to get that stuffed animal. He said, what? I said, bro, I didn't bring my daughter. I didn't bring my daughter on my weekend to the fair to look like a loser. He said, all right. I said, how much is the stuffed animal? He said, $40. I said, Oh God. I said, well, well, here's your money. I better fucking win. You know? And I stepped up to that, I stepped up to that line and I started flinging rings on bottles and they were bouncing all around. And my little girl was jumping and cheering. And I don't think, I don't think any ring actually went where it was supposed to go. But when I was out of rings, I looked at that guy and I I opened my eyes really wide, and I kind of stared at him. And he looked at me, and he said, hey, man, you're a winner. Congratulations. And he gave me the stuffed animal. I gave it to my kiddo, and we walked off. And even though that is one of my favorite memories, it's a little sad to know that my favorite memory was of me deceiving my child. <laughs> I like to look at it as me doing something that brought her joy, but it is kind of hard to just remember that day and say, hey, I tricked her into thinking I was a winner. So all these years, this younger lady has grown up thinking her daddy's a winner and it's it started off a lie. <laughs> no one tell her. No one tell her. They don't listen to my podcast anyway. Y- y'all, y'all listened a few episodes ago when I had my daughter in here and I asked her how many episodes she listened to and she said a few. Yeah. So I can say whatever I want. She's never going to hear it. So anyway, I don't. This is a lot of rambling. You guys know how this podcast is. I fucking love it. I get on here and I just I just tell you how my day went and I tell you how my thought what I'm thinking. And hopefully you're thinking a lot of them, too. I think this is dope. I'm having a great time. But but you guys also know that I like to leave you with something to think of for a week. Normally, I get caught up in my feelings and my emotions and 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 I start rambling about things that, that eventually lead us into this rabbit hole of a life lesson or, or something of that sort, but this time I just want to leave you with a interesting fact I feel it's appropriate being it's uh, July 4th or the weekend of, and I I think independence of any nation is pretty cool not too long ago it was the Philippines Independence Day and you guys know that my mother's from the Philippines, and so that was a pretty important day for her and for me. And I'm just a lover of history in general. So just being able to research you know the the facts and the the timeline you know related to to the Filipinos Independence Day, that was interesting to me. So I did the same thing for our Independence Day. I mean, yeah, you know, July 4th, we wake up and we look forward to fireworks and 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 barbecues and cookouts and get-togethers and I think I think the meaning behind the holiday has not been necessarily forgotten, but I think some of the interesting facts surrounding the day have. So, me being the obsessive curious Person that I am if i if I have a question or I ponder something and I don't know the answer, I consume myself into finding out some information. I did just that and I went on I went on the internet I went on the lines and i uh I researched some things about about Independence Day and I researched some things about america and and one of the things I stumbled a- upon was the history of our national anthem. And I'm sure most of you in school learned about our national anthem. You you learn the words, you know, when I was in school, we were still standing up uh, before before the day started, we were still standing up facing a flag. And, you know, we were we were doing the Pledge of Allegiance. Every morning we were doing the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, you know, that we were that was a regular routine for us. It was also very common at pretty much every event to have the national anthem played or sung. But what I'd never paid attention to was the actual words. Yeah, I I learned the words. I recited the words. But the meaning behind the words, I don't know if I ever cared for cared about it. Or or no, I I cared. I didn't, I didn't care to to really pay attention to what was being said. I wanted to memorize the words so I didn't embarrass myself when I was singing it, but I never really cared to to break down the meaning. So let me just share with you what I found. First off, something interesting to know is the United States National Anthem is the only national anthem in the world... That is not a statement of pride. Every other national anthem in the world, well, I don't want to say every, but to my knowledge and from everything I can find on the interwebs, (laughs) every other nation's song or every other nation's national anthem alludes to some sense of pride or some sense of honor, which is extremely interesting to me that our national anthem is none of that in fact our national anthem is a question for the most part it's um it it was a poem written by francis scott key and the poem was written based on questions and remarks made by american prisoners held below the deck on a truth a truce ship Ah, uh, Francis Scott Key was actually sent out to meet the British at the Battle of Baltimore, um, to negotiate the release of American prisoners. The British um, generals, or the British, you know, military members in charge of the assault on 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 Baltimore, they bombarded Fort McHenry. From their ships, um, just unleashing cannon fire after cannon fire, trying to, you know, trying to force the Americans to surrender or or, you know, meet their demands, I guess. And all the while they had Americans below decks on a truce ship that uh, Francis Scott Key was tethered to during uh during the time that he was trying to negotiate their release so the british basically said we're going to keep attacking that fort until you americans lower that you U- U- that american flag you are defying the british rule by flying that flag and until you lower that flag there will be no negotiations of peace and through the night in true American fashion, in true defiance, they flew that flag over Fort McHenry. Um, now, the national anthem I told you were, was, is a question. It's the only, it's the only national anthem that is not a, a statement of pride. In fact, it's a poem based on a question. And the first lines of our national anthem is the biggest tell to this question supposedly the story is that the prisoners looked up through the through the holes in there through the door in the bottom of the deck at francis scott key or at a member members of the negotiating party and the word is the the sentence or question is oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming who's brought stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming? Question mark. Now, that's a lot of fancy song words. That's a lot of poetic, poetic words to a prisoner asking the negotiating party. Basically, hey, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hail being the flag? The broad stripes and bright stars, which is the stars and stripes on our flag, flying through the perilous fight, which is the, the, the battle. This is a question asking the negotiating party, did we surrender? Because remember, we, the, the, the battle ends when we lower the flag and these prisoners are asking, did we surrender or did we keep fighting? and the coolest part after that is when is 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 the next lines in the in the national anthem when it says and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there so the answer to the question of you know hey can you still see our flag the response is them literally looking up and seeing the bombs bursting the red glare and every time there was an explosion they were able to see the american flag over the top of fort mchenry still flying and i can only assume that that's where the home of the brave tagline would come from um anyway i hope i didn't lose y'all with that i'm super proud to be an american my daddy served in the military for so many years and and i and i don't take that lightly I I respect every member who has ever worn the uniform. I expect every person who has ever flown the flag with pride. I I know there's a lot of different opinions about the flag. I know there's a lot of different opinions about the national anthem. I know that the climate here in the United States and around the world isn't necessarily the warmest. But I think one thing is still true. Regardless of how you feel about all the social injustices and the political stuff, we're still all on the same team, so to speak. There might be be people on the team that are trying to break us up, but for the most part, we're a unit. And I think that we only get through the dark times remembering that there is a large majority of us that still love each other. There's a large majority of us that still want the same things. And we, you know, I hate using the term a few bad apples, but if we could weed out the bad apples, I think this pie will still taste very fucking good. So let's not forget who we love. Let's not forget what we stand for. And let's not forget that at one point in time, we were a solid unit. And although it doesn't seem like that now, I truly, truly, truly believe That with love and respect and a little bit of hard work, we can get back to some good days. Okay, so I'm going to leave y'all with that. I really appreciate y'all tuning in again week after week after week. Please remember to like, remember to share, subscribe, follow, repost, tag me, I don't know, rate, review, tell your mama, your daddy, your grandpappy. Oh, by the way, I'm still looking for my first listener over the age of 60. I've gotten one from every demographic, every age group, but, but for some reason, the 60 plus crew, they're not really feeling me yet. So if y'all could help me get a 60 plus on my, on my, on my stat line, that would be pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> Let's get some old folks listening to me. Anyway, I'm going to let y'all go. I'm i I'm a holler at y'all next week. All right. That's the podcast, everybody. This is kind of kidding. I'm the Jeremiah and I love y'all.